Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on In-Flight Snack, Bilal and I talked about everything. We talked about Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Kimmel's feud. We talked about the Jets game in Cleveland. We talked about Robert Sala as a head coach, Joe Douglas as a GM. We talked about the Baltimore Ravens. We talked about so many things. I mean, really a lot. And their upcoming game, of course, against the Patriots. So all that, a really long episode, really fun episode, all that and a whole lot more coming up next on In-Flight Snack. Stay tuned. With NFL playoffs right around the corner and NBA in full swing, BetOnline has you covered with all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access world's best wagering info at any time. Head there today to get in on the action and see all the updated odds. And remember to use our promo code, BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Sirline ready. The snap clean, the placement down, the kick is up, and the kick hooks to the left, but it's gone! Inside the left upright for Sirline! He's got the angle. He's got blockers. Powell working the sidelines. Powell goes all the way. Touchdown, Jets. Yo, it's Quinn Wins here, and you listen to In Flight Snack on the Believe Podcast Network. Let's make sure we play like the New York Jets. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Welcome back to In-Flight Snack, a New York Jets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. That's Bilal Powell. I'm Rami Lavi. Today is Wednesday. It's a new year, January 3rd. Um, doing this podcast now. Year two of the podcast, I guess, right? How's that for us? That's good. <laughs> yeah, I can't complain. Um, before we get to any Jets-related stuff, your New Year's Eve was interesting to me. Uh, you told me you fell asleep at 8.30 on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I mean... 2023, from a jet standpoint, it drained me. No, I'm joking. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I mean it was uh, it was the first time it happened. I was just laying on the couch all day, and you know, next thing you know, I was like, "Hey, I'm going in the room." I wasn't planning on going to sleep, but the mistake was going to the room, trying to turn on the game, and then waking up at four o'clock in the morning, missing out on everything. Yeah, that's the problem. Once you get to that point, I was awake. I was in the studio at WFAN, all alone in a studio. Actually, no, that's not true. Um, I was with um, the host was in the studio and she gets in my ear like right at midnight. She goes, Happy New Year, by the way. <laughs> and that was Lori Rubin said. I was like, I like, hey, I was like, right. It's New Year's, I guess. Cool. <laughs> like yeah, you were locked in, though. I mean, I'm, I was working. I was awake. Yeah, I was exactly. but I was working. Yeah, I, whatever. It is what it is. I worked a 14 hour shift. Uh, can't complain about it too much. I'm happy to be there as always. Um, <laughs> the funniest thing, I keep getting notifications on my phone right now because I commented there was, I don't know if you saw this. Um, there was a college women's basketball game last night where I think it was, I don't want to get it wrong. One of the teams won by 140 points, right? It was like women's college basketball. Grambling beat the college of biblical study by 140, 141 points. So I commented, I commented they didn't even cover the spread. Like as a joke, uh, as a joke, because oh, like it's the college of one forty. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> that's probably the that's spread. Yeah. Insane. Either way, so now everyone's like replying to that. So I keep getting notifications on my phone. Um, either way, this is what we have left to talk about because the Jets have been that bad. Uh, the biggest story of the Jets this week, like right now, the biggest Jet story today. And if you turn on the national shows and some of the local shows, the biggest story is Aaron Rodgers and his feud with Jimmy Kimmel. If you haven't heard. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel a couple of years ago said something about Rodgers and a couple of times he's had over the last couple of years, they've gone back and forth at each other. And the latest is Aaron Rodgers saying that Jimmy Kim, that 
Jimmy Kimmel doesn't want the Epstein list to come out, which that whole thing. First of all, Rogers shouldn't have done that. But like most Jets fans, I don't think care about this below. Like diehard Jet fans really don't care about this. And like to me, the only angle I care about in all of this, because this is for the national shows to talk about. This is for WFAN. We'll talk about it all day today. I think for actual Jet fans who care about this team, it's like Rogers talks so much about the leaks. Like, stop doing McAfee. The biggest stories, the biggest headlines this year have been the stupid things he said on McAfee. You want to talk about cleaning it up and the negative perception of the Jets franchise? Maybe stop doing that show. I know you get paid a million dollars a year to do it. But, like, stop. Don't you think? Yeah, I I mean... Like I said, man, when you get to this time and you, this point in your career, you, you, you're thinking about the transition. You're thinking about the transition. I mean, the guy loves football. Obviously, he's standing around the building. And honestly, just trying to stay relevant in the media. Let's go. He was the biggest story before the Achilles injury. And, yeah. you know, it was, it, was, it was top headline for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then it faded away. And then he found a way to get back into the headlines. That's and the point. He's been the biggest story since the Achilles also, though. Exactly. And then he found a way to do it. Good marketing move. And that's what a lot of guys do if you're a businessman at this time in your career. So, uh, obviously, you, you, you want him to just, you know, remain in his shadows and and get back healthy and, and come in and help the New York Jets win football games, honestly. And like you said, man, I, I truly think that the new the New York Jet fan base, the real, like, old guys that want to see another one before they pass away, they don't care about what is being said about the drama going on in other people's lives. They want to see the New York Jets win a football game. And they have a rival, divisional rival, or we talked about maybe we just call it a divisional game because it's not really a rivalry, right? Because it's just a landslide. The New England Patriots coming up. A, a horrible New England Patriots game coming up. And, and they're not worried about the slightest thing of what's going on in other people's personal lives. Yeah, and it's crazy because of all the Patriots games, like this is the game that matters the least. And it might have the biggest, like, it might be Bill's last game. And we'll talk about this a little later, but this might be Bill's last game as the Patriots head coach against the Jets. The Jets haven't won. Think about all the hype and all the stock we put into the first Patriots game this year. We were talking about it. We're like, they have to win. It's a must-win game. Haven't beaten them since 15, the whole thing. This week feels like, who the hell cares? Like, it's probably better for the Jets to lose and get a higher draft pick. Like, if you're a real diehard fan, not that the draft picks really, like, when we're talking about the difference between the 12th pick and the 8th pick, like, who knows? Like, nobody knows. Um but, like, that's what we're breaking down. Like, are we going to be able to get Joe Alt in the draft? Are we looking at a wide receiver? Is there a possibility of trading back up to get a guy like Michael Penix? Stuff like that. And, like, I, it's we just need the season to be over already. Like, I can't believe we're at this point again. Yeah. And, like you said, it's a game that really you probably would rather take the draft pick than take the victory right now with the New York Jets playing New England. But this is the game they'll win. <laughs> This is, the game. this is the game. This is the game that they're going to go out and dominate and win. And we're going to no. be like, well, that's a draft pick going out the window, right? I, I'll, I see it a different way. They won't dominate. They're going to win in an extremely frustrating way. They're going to the win way. like, yeah, the Jets are going to win in a way that doesn't make you feel good about anything. But then at the end of it, Salah and Rogers are going to be celebrating like they won the freaking Super Bowl out there. You know what I mean? Like they're going to be jumping up and down. We beat the Patriots. And then the Patriots are going to lose. Go get like God knows who in the draft, right? The top, One of the top three quarterbacks in the draft. And he'll be killing us for the next 25 years. Oh, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. That's I'm telling gonna, you. I mean. Don't do it. So speaking oh, of like it. typical. I, I like that. I like, you know what? When we talk about quarterbacks and let's talk about yeah. quarterbacks. I think. If you look at the the safe spot to go get a quarterback, a, a, a decent quarterback, that I think round two, round three. I know everybody want to be like, oh, pick one, pick two, top five. No, man, I'm telling you the safe spot, man, where I think a young fella can come in, feel comfortable, really no pressure on him. It's like year t- uh, round two, round three. You know, th- those are those are some of the ones that, you know, they don't have too many hiccups and mistakes that they can make because, you know, those first-round picks – you're going to have to take them all four years because you give them so much guaranteed money. Where two and three, you know, we give them a couple of years and then we move on from them. I get what you're saying, but I've wanted to do this exercise. for. Uh, look, just hear me out. 
Lamar Jackson is the starting quarterback for the Ravens, first round pick. Josh Allen, starting quarterback for the Bills, first round pick. Cincinnati Bengals have Joe Burrow, starting quarterback, first round pick. Deshaun Watson was a first round pick. He's the Browns quarterback. The Broncos starting quarterback was Russell Wilson. Okay, there's one, one starting quarterback in the league who's a third round pick. CJ Stroud, first round pick. Gardner Minshew, I don't remember, but Anthony Richardson, who he's replacing, who's essentially the starting quarterback, was was Richardson a first round pick? He was a first round pick. I think he was a first round pick also. I'm going to put my thumb down. I think stops going off. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Right. He was a first round pick too. Okay. So, so far we have one Justin Herbert, first round pick two a first round pick Mac Jones, first round pick Aaron Rodgers, first round pick. Um, who was the starting quarterback for, uh, for Pittsburgh this year. Now it's Mason Rudolph, but who was it? It was the kid. Um, pick it. I think he was, I don't remember. He's, he's bad. He's a Pittsburgh guy, so he's home home time, I think. Um, And Will Levis. Will Levis ended up falling, what, to the second? Second, third. Yeah, second, third. Yeah, something like that. Desmond Ritter stinks. Kyler Kyler Murray, first-round pick. Bryce Young, first-round pick. Justin Fields, first-round pick. Dak, fourth-round pick. There you go. That's two. Jared Goff, first-round pick. I think Love was in the first round also. Matthew Stafford, first-round pick. Kirk Cousins was a later, so there's three. Derek Carr, I remember being early. Daniel Jones. No, was first he was pick. like, Carr was like third or fourth. You think so? Yeah. I thought because of like, I, I have to look that up. Geno Smith, I think the Jets third, took the second, second round, second, right? Yep. Yeah. And then um, Baker Mayfield was the first round. And Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. And Jalen Hurts. When did Jalen go? I think Durham, I know he was like second, third. Yeah. So what is there? Third. Four starting quarterbacks in the league? Four or five guys in the, in the league? Who are yeah. not first round picks that are starting I mean, quarterbacks. Right, that, that, like, that you was could a, that say was that it's fun though. to say that because it's like, oh, look, we have four examples of guys. Oh, Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, sure, Russell Wilson. It's fun to say that, but at the end of the day, all the best quarterbacks in the league are first round picks, and most of them taken at the top of the draft. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's up the Jets quarterback. Well, the Jets will get it wrong no matter what. I mean, I mean that's, that's what they proved. They back all the way till what? I mean, who? Who who was it? Who started out? Was it before me? Was Mark? Was Mark? Yeah, Mark Sam. was there before that. Was 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 uh, obviously was Favre Chad, was before that. Favre, was, Chad. was Chad? Yeah, so no, Mark, Chad and then Favre. Yeah, yeah, Chad then Favre. Yeah, and then you had Mark and then Sam and then Zach. So maybe maybe I just maybe I'm just thinking about the the Jets first round. Picks. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there are plenty of failed first round picks. You're not wrong. You're 100% right that there are so many failed first-round picks. Like, people are going to look at Bryce Young. I know it's one year, so we'll see. I mean, people even look at Baker Mayfield, right? People look at Josh Rosen. People they were ready to pat, move on from Justin Fields. Yeah, I, and, and I want they to ask were, you They were that, close, and they probably, they probably still want to move what on. What do you think they should do? I, I'm curious. What do you think they should do? Do you think the Bears should move on from Justin Fields just from, like a, like, a contract standpoint, from, like, a timeline? Like, you have the first overall pick in the draft. Obviously, last year you decided to trade it. Now you have it again. Fields looks really good. Apparently, they like him in the locker room. I like Justin Fields. Like, mm-hmm. would you move on from him if you were the Bears? I wouldn't, because he's he's exactly what you want in a quarterback in today's football. Like, there's no true pocket passes anymore. Like, you have to be able to ex- extend plays with your legs, or now you're trying to account for quarterbacks in the run game. But his and passing has gotten things. a lot better. Like, yeah, like really I, I think you give him one more year. Like, you give him one more year, and, and you know, but that's, that's, but that's, that's the, that's thing, the difference what I was telling you about when you talk about first-round picks and then second, third, I feel like second, third, you're on this timeline of like, hey, I don't have that that four-year guarantee like those first-round guys, so I have to produce where some of them guys, they get to a point where they probably get content, they get complacent, but I think Justin Fields, you give him one more year but you also got to put guys around him, like seasoned veterans, guys that can help him win. Like that's the biggest thing. And that's I felt like that's what Chicago has struggled with over the years. Like even when Matt Forte was there, like he was the workhorse, but it was no one else around him. You yeah, know what I mean? Jay and Cutler. even and you had Jake. Jay- what? Jay he was the quarterback with Matt Forte. He, he was. But like I said, you got to put other people around. I'm not him. saying he was bad. I'm just saying he happened to be the quarterback that you said it was thrown around. Some guys, some guys, you just don't know how, you know, well, well, anything. Well, anyway, I just feel like, you know, a guy like Justin Fields, just get him, get him some, some, get him some talent, man. Like you saw what happened with Lamar. And like they finally Lamar, did. They Lamar's bought DJ. Just, look at they Lamar. They bought DJ Moore, right? 
to 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 Chicago in the trade last year. He's been really good this year. Like, I mean, they've mm. brought some talent, and I agree with you. He hasn't had top talent around him. And think about his coaching staff that he's had. He hasn't had a good coaching staff. But the problem is, you mentioned like, okay, give him another year. But no, if you give him, if you if you have to make the decision now on picking up the fifth year option, this is what happened with Daniel Jones and the Giants, right? They decided not to pick up his fourth, fifth year option. In his fourth year, he goes off. They go in a playoff game. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, shoot, now we have to give him this giant, you know, contract that he's getting paid $40 million a year over four years. You know, mm-hmm. now they're back to where they were the year before. So if you're the Bears, you're looking at this just from a timeline standpoint. Are you picking if are you picking up the fifth year option on Justin? Like I, I, you got to make that decision. And then I'll ask you this: if they decide to move off of Justin, would you trade for him? Let's say you're the Jets. Would you trade a third round pick? probably maybe more for Justin to sit behind Rogers, knowing you're going to have to pick up the fifth year option on him and likely give him a contract beyond that. Like I would love Justin Fields as a backup plan for Aaron Rodgers. Like he's a guy who could be the backup plan and could be the quarterback of the future. Mm-hmm. Right. If he's, if he sits behind Rogers for a year or two, I trust that if Rogers gets hurt, this guy can get it done. And I also like like more than at least Zach Wilson. Right. And I also like that if Rogers retires in two years, we have this guy ready to go. But the thing is at that point, he'll be what 27, 26, 27 years old. And which is prime though. That's a prime age. Yeah. But you're going to have to give him a new contract at 26, but it doesn't have to be a mega though. It it doesn't have to be a mega contract. You know what I mean? Like you can look at, look at what New York did with Fitzpatrick. Like he had, he had historical numbers that year. And instead of giving him a mega contract, they say, Hey, we'll give you a one year. They were trying to set up for a two year, but he said, I'll take one year, 12 million. Like, so you but don't what do you have think to. a guy like Baker Mayfield now is going to get? Baker had a really good year this year. He kind of was bad last. He still has he's, his up. He's not going to be a top. He's not going to be a top salary guy in his. But he'll position. get a contract like for he'll at least a, like three years, seventy-five million, eighty million, yeah. right? Which is okay for for that position. We're talking about you know yeah. what what these top quarterbacks. It might actually be better million a year. You yeah, know, it might actually be better. You can put a roster around them. Well, look at Gino. Gino, Gino is that same yeah. guy. He's he's in that twenty-five to thirty million dollar range, which he has proven himself to be yep. worth that. Like he's not gonna go get fifty million. That 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 time frame has closed for him. So Justin Fields, he's not gonna get that contract like the the Joe Barrows and the the um, Hertz and the Lamars and the you know he's not gonna get that. You can lock him in on a nice deal. Being your starter quarterback, like that's not a bad idea to go get Justin Fields. I mean, he's available, and and, and this is an opportunity for the New York Jets to say, hey, if you want to save your career, come here, learn under uh, Aaron for a couple of years, you know, as a backup. That's if Aaron stays loose. healthy, right? Like, yeah, you could get a chance to play at least get a couple a games to play. a year. Exactly, yeah. coming off of an injury, I think it's a good scenario for him because honestly, if you look around the league. Especially with the couple, the, the the few quarterbacks that are coming out this year in the draft, it's a good scenario. And if I'm his agent, I'm saying, hey, that's not a bad look. You know, we can get you backup money right now, where you can be still be a young guy, and then when you get an opportunity to start, you're in your prime still, where you can run off four or five years if you produce uh, at the position. Yeah, I don't even know how we got into this conversation, but it's funny because I had Justin Fields written down to talk about. So I like that we got into that. I do want to ask you another. Uh, quarterback situation that there is in the league is in Cleveland. They have all this guaranteed money going to Deshaun Watson. I'm sure Joe Flacco can get premium backup numbers somewhere else, right? Like if you're Joe Flacco, why would you re-sign with Cleveland when you can go to a place that you look as maybe I can have a chance to start there? Like maybe Joe Flacco goes to a place like Chicago if they want to sit Caleb Williams, if they end up drafting him or one of these, even the Patriots, if they want to sit whoever they draft in the draft, if they take a Jaden Daniels, right? Um, Or Washington, something like that. So to me, Cleveland has looked better with Joe Flacco though. And they're paying all this money to Deshaun Watson. What's the decision they make there? Uh, Obviously, they're going to go back with Deshaun. And I think Joe will go on to get an opportunity to be a starting quarterback, maybe a one-year, two-year deal with his age and proving what he's done in these few weeks that he's been the starter for the Cleveland Browns. It kind of reminds me of the scenario with Teddy Bridgewater when he had his opportunity to, to go uh, play in New Orleans. He he 
he was a starter for five or six games and proved that he can do that and still do it at, a, at his age. So I think Joe Flacco now needs to think about, okay, I, do I really want to stay here and, and, and be in the shadow of Deshaun Watson's or do I want to prove the rest of the league that I'm still a starting quarterback at my age and, and, and proven? If he wins a couple games in the playoff or a game, he will go on to be someone's starting quarterback next year. Yeah, and, and it, it's funny. I like the New England, but Atlanta. What about what do you think about Atlanta? Atlanta. I think Atlanta has a really good roster and their quarterback sucks. Like Heineke, yeah. the combination of Heineke and Ritter is an awful combination. No, I mean you go, yeah, exactly. You go get and they're a, a win like now that. roster. I think they're a better he's, roster. He's not gonna now. get a mega deal. Listen, he'll yeah. he get a two-year deal that's you know, pays and play good indoors. Money. Yeah, play yeah. indoors. Like I think it's a good thing uh for him. We know honestly. he can play in weather though. So if he wants to go to New England, Washington, you know, where he'll mm-hmm. have to deal with the cold weather, um, that's not a bad spot for him. But it's so typical Cleveland because Cleveland's got to feel like they're cursed, right? They got to feel like kind of like Jet fans. And what's funny is Cleveland fans and Lion fans have often been similar in the same boat as Jet fans. And now all of a sudden, Cleveland fans are the ones that are getting these wins. And watching them celebrate the other night, I was almost like when they played the Jets, they're celebrating the like the making the playoffs. And I'm almost like, man, can you imagine like a, a, a franchise and a fan base that's been down for so bad they make the Deshaun Watson trade. It goes horribly for them. They signed him to this giant extension, and yet they're still celebrating. They're not thinking about what's looming next year, but can you imagine? They get rid of Flacco, and then all of a sudden, like <laughs> after they get rid of Flacco, Watson comes back next year, and he's not as good, mm-hmm. and they have to deal with that again. Like I know they're not thinking about that now, but I was watching that game. I was like, this is such a downtrodden franchise. It kind of gave me hope for the Jets, No. But but honestly, look at look at what the Browns did though. Like, what four different starting quarterbacks? They they they, over, they made that's it, what's crazy. Like that's what I'm saying. The Jets made like, excuses. The Jets made excuses. But the they Browns made they made decisions until they found the right decision, and, and now they're and, sitting but, in the playoffs. But to me, that's on the head coach. Like when I watch that game, the biggest <laughs> my biggest takeaway from Thursday night. I'm not kidding. My biggest takeaway from Thursday night watching the game was the Jets were undisciplined. The Jets had so many issues, right? The Jets were undisciplined. They they have the issues on the field, off the field. They're the ones making excuses while the other team has the same amount of injuries, the same amount of situations with their offensive line, four different quarterbacks, and yet they're winning and they're dominating the Jets, which is funny because the Jets scored their first opening drive touchdown in 22 games. Do you realize that? It had been mm-hmm. 22 games since the Jets scored an opening drive touchdown. They scored an opening drive touchdown to Brees, and the rest of the game went downhill from there. And you just see, the and the one thing, this was what I was thinking, the one thing that Salah always had to hang his hat on was his defense. At least I know the defense will be great with Robert Salah. The defense was awful, and it wasn't a lack of talent. It had nothing to do with talent. The Jets were out smarted and underprepared it looked like a team that showed up not ready to go again and it wasn't effort the jets effort was actually there the players effort i actually believe they were playing for the head coach on thursday night they like him they like to play for him i just think he doesn't have them ready to play and then the lack of discipline after the game and then him being cocky and this is a proof of no accountability and him knowing that his job is safe he was cocky in the media afterwards when they asked him why don't you look frustrated he goes to rich he's like what do you want me to do throw the podium over like giving him like a BS answer like that. Like that's a terror. And then even on yesterday on the Michael K show, when they asked him about that answer, he's like, well, I feel like I've talked about this a thousand times since I've gotten here. I'm not going to ream a player on the sideline. It's not my style. I'll celebrate with them on the sideline, but I'm not going to yell at a player on the sideline. That's why I'm not animated. I'm just when I'm frustrated, like, but even that, the way he answered it was like, was so arrogant. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm really done with him. Like but do you, I, but do and I've I've been a part of this business. I've been looked in my eyes and and said that I was welcome back, and uh, I won't I won't get into it, get into depth with that. Um, it's business, and that that was the first time I experienced the difference in uh, separating personal from business. Is when you know they look at me on the face, say, "Hey, you're coming back next year," and I didn't uh, for my tenth year. I should have came back. Should have been back retiring as a jet for ten years, right? And and I didn't and. You know, I held on to that for a long time until I had to realize it was a business. So do you think that Woody Johnson answered that question from a personal standpoint or from a business standpoint, saying that their their jobs are secure? Like, is, there's, is there anything that can happen from this game 
that can change his mind or maybe hide something until, hey, you know, as a matter of fact, we came to a mutual uh, agreement of going our separate race. I mean, that's, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, is, was it was Woody's answer politically correct when he answered that question of his GM and his head coach? I know exactly what you're saying. And I think it's so interesting because I'm trying to think like it's gotten to that point, almost blowing the lead or really blowing the lead against Washington should have made you rethink it. The way you lost against, against the Browns should have made you rethink it. And if I'm Robert Sala and he's clearly frustrated with the media and the media likes him, he's actually one of the few head coaches who's had it relatively easy with the media, I think, because I think they like him and you see just how agonizing it is for him on the sideline. Wouldn't it just be a relief for him to walk away? I know you don't walk away from head coaching jobs in the NFL. It would be crazy. But like at some point, just go to Woody and be like, please just fire me. Like That's what I would do if I was Salah. And maybe, oh, I don't know. I, again, I've never been in that situation. But the, just judging by the look on his face, it seems like this guy doesn't want to be here. This guy just, he wants it to end. And that's just a tough spot to be in. Well, he wants it to end because... It's, there's nothing to fight for now. It's, it, in his head, is yeah, but you can't simulate. This is not a video game. You can't simulate to next year when you have Rodgers. Well, Your I told job you, is it, the head it goes, coach. It to goes keep from, together. I told you it goes from it goes from like putting everything you have into it to you know trying to end the season. I've been in meetings where I'm looking at the game plan like this is basic, and then you wonder why we're going out here getting our head beaten because it's just a basic game plan. This is a lazy game plan. This is a game plan that's telling me. We're just going through the motions right now to get I through this I felt bad thing. for CJ. CJ Mosley yeah. on some of those plays looked like he's just in the wrong spot. And, like, CJ's a great player and a smart player. That's There's no way that was on CJ. Yeah, I mean, but listen, and and maybe it's just me, but when you're playing when you're playing preseason defense versus a team that's winning and got something to play for, it, it, that's what it looked like. It exposes yeah. everything. So that, that's what I mean by just as a player what a game plan looks like. You know, no Amari Cooper, by the way. Oh my goodness! Exactly. You know what I mean. So um, honestly, you 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 have to sometimes tell yourself, "Hey, let's go recoup." Like I've been in games, Rami, where we're getting beat by forty, and it's just, "Hey, let's go, let's get through this, let's fight through this, and recoup." That's it. That's all you can do. That's what this season has come to. And I told you, and told you in the beginning of the year. This is this is where I didn't want it to get to, but you had to win in order for this this time to be non-existent. You had to win something when it counted, and you know, right now it's the same old thing um, that I've been seeing, that I was a part of, that you know the fan base has been seeing now for thirteen consecutive seasons. It's um, it's frustrating, and hopefully, they do all the right things this off season to. Not just talk about hosting and, and, and playing in the Super Bowl, but really contending for a Super Bowl from day one, right? And day, from day one all the way through talking about playing for a Super Bowl because there were times when it looked like it was over early in the season and it was still opportunities at hand for us to – I mean, it was laid out for us. I mean, the AFC was it's struggling. The, point the, the Browns. The Browns are the perfect, exactly. right? And, and the AFC was struggling. So, I mean, they were just given an opportunity after opportunity and we didn't take advantage of it. So, you know, just And the Colts for lost their starting quarterback, right? And they they have a chance with Gardner Minshew in there. Like That's crazy. <laughs> I know. It's frustrating, right? It, it's really frustrating. Do you think – I want to ask you – I want to turn your question back on you. Do you think there's anything that could happen Sunday that Woody Johnson will change his mind and decide to fire Robert Sala? It depends on how the game goes. Oh, I hope and you still have seventy nothing. You, you still I hope have, the Jets lose seventy nothing, and Salah gets humiliated. Oh my goodness, I w- I wouldn't want to wish anything on the person, but I think you I, just have to see this game as it goes, and and honestly, you know, revisit the 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 conversation uh, in a business like matter. You know what I mean? Like you know, you still have a business to run. Woody Woody is the is the boss man, and uh, he he knows. I think he knows how much. He knows how much the players probably respect Robert, so I think I think that's that's one of his answers. But man, if if it comes down to it, then you have to revisit the conversation because really now you're going do. in with two divisional teams, 
both are fighting for nothing. One 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 team is getting ready to let go of a, a legendary coach. And it's actually his, better for them to lose. Yeah, but it's insane that he did what he did last year and then two years after everything he's done for the organization, they're saying, you know what? This might be a mutual uh departure. Here we are still saying we're gonna bring back our GM and our head coach. So well, it, yeah. it happens for everyone, right? Like, I mean, uh, look at um, uh, I'm I'm blanking on his name, Andy Reid. I mean, he got fired in Philadelphia, right? Like, and this was a guy who won a super, like he didn't win a Super Bowl with Philly, but like he's one of the best head coaches in the league, and obviously he's won Super Bowls with with Kansas City since then. You want to talk about a guy, but you know he was a legendary coach. You want to talk about a guy like Doug Peterson, who's not a legendary coach, but was a Super Bowl champion coach with Philadelphia and st- with Nick Foles, and he still got fired there. So like. I mean, it happens to everyone at some point. Um, And like to think that like, oh, well, we're fine because, you know, we want continuity, right? We don't firing and hiring that getting into that cycle over and over again is not good for a franchise. You know, what also isn't good for a franchise, a bad head coach. (laughs) Like sometimes you just don't have the guy. Hey, listen, he's had his opportunities. That's all I can say. He's had his opportunities to prove that, and and he had an opportunity to prove that with a top defense, and yeah, unfortunately they they never got it right on the offensive side of the ball. So you know I don't know who's to blame for that. Um, here we are again finishing with a top ten defense and just a horrible offense. Yeah, and and the thing is with um with that the lack of accountability. You talk about it comes from the owner to the head coach. You see it on the field. If there's no accountability on the head coach, how do you expect the head coach to hold the players accountable, right? And Boomer pointed this out, something interesting, because I I was watching the game, and they didn't mention Sauce Gardner's name once. I was like, this is great. They're not mentioning Sauce's name. He must be locking down whoever he's defending. Right. That's what I was thinking. And then Boomer said, and I trust Boomer. um, Boomer said he was watching the coach's film and he uh, saw that sauce was making business decisions the entire game. He was never stepping up on tackles. So he had opportunities when the tight ends were running free, when the running backs were running free sauce was disinterested complete. And I don't know. I didn't watch the coach's film. Like I can't anymore. I don't know. I assume you didn't watch the coach's film either at this point in the season, but like, Sauce Gardner's making coaches, making business decisions. A guy who's in the second year in the league and wants to be one of the best corners in the league. But of course, he's not going to be held accountable because the head coach isn't held accountable. So why do you expect Salah to hold the other guys accountable? I don't know. It goes all the way back to when you felt like he was covering up for Zach and holding everyone else accountable and not Zach. And here, here we are now and... Listen, I, I'll be honest. As players, two teams, th- you're going to see a basic – it's going to look like a preseason game, this this game, honestly. You're going to have guys telling, hey, you know, just run the ball. Tell, tell, tell your offensive coordinator to run the ball. Like, I've heard these things many a times when, when you have two teams not playing for anything. So it's just like, hey, man, take care. You know, it's business decisions. It's like, hey, let's just get out of here safe. That's the truth, man. Like this game's going to be big, over in like two hours and 20 minutes. Easy. They'll run the football and hold the yeah. ball and run it again. Who cares? You know, it's it's going to be basic. It's, it's, you know, just that's coming from a, a former player. That's being honest. I'm shocked they're not putting it in prime time. Bill Belichick's last, last game potentially as a Patriots head coach against the Jets. They should put it in prime time. That should be the Sunday night game. Yeah. <sighs> I'm, I'm, I'm not watching it. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not watching it. Either. I hope not. <laughs> I gotta watch it. Um, I have to watch it though, man. I, yeah, I know. I'm going it, to man. watch it. I don't because you're gonna see a lot of it. young guys, and this is why I, I say preseason so. because you you're probably gonna see a few young guys. You're starting to see Izzy now. Uh, spin well, Dalvin a Cook bit. got cut, so yeah. So um, I want to talk about that in a second. Let's talk. Let's take a quick break. We'll talk about Cook. I have a couple other questions for you. I want to talk about the college football playoff as well. Um, and I kind of want to explain why I said earlier that I want the Jets to lose 70 nothing. I'm going to kind of explain where I'm coming from on that. All right, coming back. The other big Jets news this week, we talked about obviously the Rodgers news. The other big Jets news was Dalvin Cook getting cut. Um, 
and he's going to be picked up. He'll have the waiver period today, and then he'll probably get picked up either today or tomorrow. I think the Ravens will pick him up because the Ravens have a really good shot at winning the Super Bowl, but they injured their running back. I think the Ravens pick him up, and I think Dalvin's going to play really well for them, and they'll probably go to the Super Bowl. Um, I don't think Dalvin was a good sign by the New York Jets anyway. You think? <laughs> uh, no, no, just even when they signed him, uh to all of that money like you signed a guy like that with all that money and you didn't make him a starter so you already knew that there was going to be force feed number number uh dalvin force feed him force feed him force feed him force well feed him. i mean he technically did start the first couple of weeks when Brees was on the snap count right yeah but I, but still that's that's the difference they knew that Brees was the guy Let's let's be honest. Brees was the guy. Brees is awesome. I love. Brees. Yeah, and and that that probably was uh, a move by someone that said, "Hey, let's get a veteran. We need a veteran in the room." You know, but I won't say who that was. Like you, you, you see in it, and you know, there was there was veterans that were in rooms that probably shouldn't have been playing this year, shouldn't have been on a roster, taking roster spots. So you're saying Aaron Rodgers bringing in? Let's let's count him. <laughs> I didn't say Aaron. Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard. Randall Cobb. Billy Turner, oh my God, I've never seen a worse offensive lineman in my life, and Dalvin Cook. What are they, 0 for 4 on all four of those? And 0 for 5 if you count Rodgers, because Rodgers sucked too. He was (laughs) hurt, right? He was hurt. It just sucked. Yeah, the Rodgers situation sucked. And by the way, you know what he should have done? Once he was hurt, but he can't do this because he needs to be in the spotlight. Once he was hurt, he should have just told McPhee, no, I'm not doing the appearance anymore. Like, I don't think Daniel Jones, he had a weekly spot on with Kay Adams on uh, FanDuel. I think he told Kay, sorry, I'm hurt. I'm out for the year with the ACL. I'm going to be rehabbing. I'm not coming on your show. But Rodgers needed to go on. The first time he goes on, he goes on three days later. Give me your doubts. Tell me what I can't do. Watch what I do. Then the next week, he's going on talking about God knows what. And he's talking about ayahuasca. And then he's talking about the Jets cleaning up holes. And then he's talking about Zach Wilson. And then he's talking about Jimmy Kimmel. Like, enough. He has a good marketing play team. Play football. He has a good marketing team. Yeah, I know. I wish I had his marketing team. Yeah, you ever, ever sometimes wonder maybe that's the only reason he's here in New York? I mean, there's been times where other players have done it and set themselves up for you know right. life after football. He had his watch, his new watch drop with the company that his partnership that he has. Mm-hmm. He's got this other like this hat that he keeps wearing every week on on which I kind of like it. I want to get myself one. Um, but I guess that means it's working that he's wearing on the McAfee show, the Hugo or whatever. I think it means cherish the little things he said. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> um, speaking of the Ravens, like I think if Dalvin actually goes to the Ravens, the Ravens did something. And I'm curious if I asked you what a phrase was, that's maybe the most commonly used phrase in football. What would you say? Like when people talk about the NFL, there's no way you're going to guess this. I don't know why I'm putting you in the spot. No, I, I'm not even gonna try. What's the phrase? <laughs> I think people. I not, that's a good one. People, <laughs> people say like that's the acronym. Um, you did it for nine years, dude. Did it feel like a long time? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So I felt like eighteen long, years. I, double, double. Up. <laughs> God, yeah, it's because it was with the Jets. What do you think? <laughs> if you were winning Super Bowls in New England, it would feel like three minutes. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, with Tom Brady and Gronk, um, you could have done like what James White did. Was that the guy's name? No, was you know, I had an opportunity to go to New England. I know you could have done that. I got an like opportunity. He, like he wasn't that good. There was, a, there was had, some, like, a I don't, I don't know who, I don't know who the guy was, but I went like out Eric preseason. Blunt was there at some point? I went out, I went out uh, for like special teams, like early on in, in pregame, and I'm out there. Wait, when Tom was turn. there? Tom was there. Yeah, this was like 2015. Hmm. It was my, it was my contract year. Okay. After my one year deal I signed, I came back and I was up again. And I had a good season, productive season. And I was out there catching punts. And I just remember this guy walking over to New England. Uh, and they had on like a, a windbreaker. And he was just like, hey, well, what are you going to do after this season? You know, you're up. Like, what are you going to do? I was like, I don't know yet, man. I don't, I don't know. He was like, all right. He was talking to me the entire time I was catching kick returns until I had to go down to be with the running backs. He was just trying to get me over to New England. He, he was trying to get me over. And I I definitely could have done what uh what was the running back name over there? Uh James White, like Eric James Blunt. White. 
James White. Sorry, that's what I just said. Yeah. yeah so that's so this was must have been before 2016 because you signed the contract. That's not the one year. Yeah, you signed the one year. It looks like in and 14 coming in for in, 15. Yeah, and then again going into 16. 16. So 15. It was a 15 year. 15 going into 16. Yeah, because you. Yeah, then you actually signed because you signed 16, 17. And eighteen, it looked like a three-year deal. Does yeah, that make sense? Deal. Yeah, and then I came yeah, back three for a one-year deal. Yeah, two point six million uh, signing bonus, and yeah. then yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, not yeah, bad. I had to I tell my it. business, Rami. I mean, just tell. Well, yeah, sorry. I mean, it's out there. It's public. Oh <laughs> just um, I the back to how we got into this. Um, the phrase was wait. I have to ask. How close were you to going to New England? What was it like? Did they offer two point five million as a signing bonus, and you wanted two point six? That year, that year, I had I had about three teams that wanted me, three or four, and my agent looked at me. He said, "Listen, it, it was like you never really see this in free agency. There's only a couple teams that are fighting for you that really want you." He said, "But you have four teams, and this was around the time that third down backs were starting to get like really big, and right. it was just like that. That was just a group of guys that were getting paid that year." And um, he was like, man, I mean, I had New England. I had Kansas City, um, New Orleans, um, and I want to say Dallas at the time. And and I, Zeke was already there in Dallas at that point, right? Uh, was he there? No, it was – I think DeMarco Murray just left or either just oh, signed. Oh, okay. Yeah, DeMarco Murray was around for like a couple years after he signed. And then – no, 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 I lied. He had went on to Philly. Yeah. I think he moved on to Philly. But anyway, um, yeah, I was I was pretty close to going to New England, man. I was. I was. Do you see me? My computer screen just crashed. Yeah, I see you. you all right. Well, at some point, hopefully this comes back on. Um, I can't see you. But all right, I do have another question for you, and hopefully this works out for, for the best because I can't see anything. Um, but... We keep moving. Um, I think the the phrase I was looking for, get, getting back to that, the one phrase that people say in the NFL that's not not for long. Uh, the phrase that I think people say a lot is, um, "It's a copycat league," right? You hear that said all the time. Oh yeah. So, and I think it's true. Like generally, I do think it's a copycat league. Like when people are going to like the RPOs and people. Even with the Jets, right, trying to get that old quarterback in place, it's what the it's what the the Broncos did. It's what uh, the 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 Bucks did. It's what all these teams did was they went out, they got the older quarterback in the later stage of his career. And all right, now my screen's back up, so hopefully that's all good. Um, so I think it is a copycat league. What's interesting is the Baltimore Ravens did something that's the opposite of everyone in the league. They are not a copycat league. And I think this is so interesting because it's what makes them different and what makes them special. The Baltimore Ravens, both in how they built their offense and how they built their defense, decided to go against the grain. When everyone else is doing one thing, they go against the grain. They drafted a guy in Lamar Jackson after 15 years of having Joe Flacco, like a prototypical pocket passer. They decide to draft Joe to draft Lamar Jackson and build an entire offense around Lamar Jackson, right? Totally different than anything they've done previously. They have a fullback. Like, what other team in the league employs a fullback? Like, I think there's two teams in the league, three teams in the league that have fullbacks on the roster, and they use them. They use multiple tight end sets. They run power football. They are a power running game. And then with the razzle-dazzle of Lamar and the deep threats of Lamar and just the craziness of he can pull a rabbit out of his hat at any point. That's on the offensive side. They built an offense that's different than anyone else. On the defensive side, when everyone's trying to pay corners, when everyone's trying to pay defensive edge rushers, what do the Ravens go out and do? They have Patrick Queen and they have uh, Smith as their as their linebackers, right? Off-ball middle linebackers that no one pays. They take Kyle Hamilton with a top pick in the draft. They basically built their defense up the middle like with their linebackers and their safety and their scheme with Mike McDonald as defensive coordinator is one of the best schemes in the league, right? He was a guy, he worked for the Ravens, and then he went to Michigan to work with Harbaugh's brother, and now he's back working with the Ravens as the defensive coordinator. So this is a guy who's come up through the system, and you talk about, we talk so much about coaches lasting in the league. We talked about Belichick. 
Belichick is stubborn. And so even after Brady was gone, instead of trying to pivot, he's still trying to build what was successful with Brady, but you don't have Brady. You know what I mean? So when you talk about guys staying around for a long time, it's how they can adjust and how they can adapt. We talked about with the Browns this year, right? When they lose so many guys, how do you adapt? The Jets never adapted this year. And the Ravens, in my opinion, are the favorites to win the Super Bowl because they adapt, because they're willing to try something different that no one else is doing. Yeah, and, you know, talking about Lamar, um, I've always said it. When Lamar's on the field, he's the best player on the field. Not the best quarterback, not not the best offensive player. He's the best player. He, yep. You have to account for him every single time because he's not just a guy that can throw the deep ball. He's a guy that can run and, and get you 50, 60 yards on a foot race. Like, that is dangerous for a defense. So, to me, that's the best player on the field. You see him, how they were using him, even as a running back on short yardage. He's getting a pitch on four, fourth down and, and short. Like, you're able to get creative when you talk about they Lamar. They built it around him. They, they built did. it around his strengths. And, and, and listen, they built it around his strengths to the point where now he can sit in the pocket. I think a lot of people always talk about, well, you know, th- there was the criticism of he's he's a he's a running back where remove the receiver. And in one one uh, podcast, a, a young lady said that he's not quarterbacky. <laughs> he's like the, the dumbest thing. Accurate, he's one of the most yeah. accurate quarterbacks. And he's gotten in the better. He's improved every exactly. year as a pocket passer. And listen, and, and the way they evolved with him and said, hey, if we continue to keep this up, we're not going to have Lamar around. Hey, Lamar, you can utilize your legs. But let's go out, change the personnel, which I said they need to change their personnel. They need to stop going out here in this 13, you know, one 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 running back, three tight end sets. We don't need that. Get him in 11 personnel. Put one tight end out there. Or get in get in 11 person or 10 personnel. Get him multiple guys that can expand down the field and allow Lamar to be a true quarterback like he is I always thought he was a good quarterback and I knew he was going to do the same thing that he was doing at Louisville but get this though Rami the Ravens have done a tremendous job of going to get backup quarterbacks that play just like Lamar 100%. And that's what organizations are missing they have a quarterback that plays exactly like Lamar you saw what Huntley did when Lamar went and down. they had RG3 like, playing before great? Huntley. He was yep. playing good enough for them to win. Yeah, you know what they I mean. Had a, so, they they could have won a playoff game with him last year. Exactly. So I'm like, that is what a good organization does. Like they don't. And Robert Griffin's a similar style, also. Same and thing. He was the backup before that. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And th- that to me is saying that this organization is like years ahead of everybody else. And now yeah. I think this is That's a year for them to prove. What their whole entire philosophy was, their the vision of, of the game is going to pay off because the Ravens are by far the best team in the National Football League right now. I think so. You know what I mean? So, like, I would like to just see the organization, the Jets organization, do the same. Like, yeah. you have to you have to find your identity. That's the biggest thing. When you look in the mirror, what's your identity as an organization? So that's the that they need to know which way they're going and, and stick to it. Like, what's the plan? When you step on this narrow road that leads to success, that you're doing something, you're taking risks to do be something totally different than what everyone else is doing. It's typical to get a, a veteran quarterback in here that won the Super Bowl to say, hey, he's going to be the savior. But sometimes that doesn't work. You saw that. like It's not working. On four plays, <laughs> you yeah. saw what happened. So now you have to go back to the drawing board. This visual what is the Jets organization going to look like? And what do we want to look like for the next 10 years? And how do we get there? That's what the New York Jets need to do this offseason, not just worry about next year, but how can we build something that's going to change to change the tradition around here when you're starting quarterback saying that it's a losing organization? How yeah. are we going to change that? No, I, I I fully agree. And the thing with the Ravens is like they weren't stubborn. Think about it when, when Lamar first came in it was because joe flacco got hurt and they decided right away we're changing everything all right we have this guy we're changing everything right away and people made fun of the ravens last year when they had patrick queen already and now you're going to go trade for another off-ball linebacker you're trading for roquan smith and i'm sorry i forgot roquan's first name before but 
you're trading for Roquan Smith. And not only did they trade for him, they gave him a contract. Like they gave him a big contract. People were making fun of the Ravens. Well, look at that defense up the middle. Tua, who his whole game is these quick timing passes up the middle, couldn't do anything against them. Kyle Hamilton and, and Roquan and, and also Marlon Humphrey, who's a good you know zone corner. He's not a great one-on-one cover corner. But and they're getting pressure up the middle. Also, there's no there's no edge rushers that jump off the paper, right? You don't read the Ravens edge rushers and like, wow, great. You know, they have a they have a Miles Garrett, they have a Joey Bosa, they have one of these guys. They don't, they really don't. And yet they are one of the best defenses in the league. And I think they actually rank, I think according to pro football focus, they're the number one defense in the league now. It's crazy what this team has been able to do. And like you said, it's about building it the right way. And the interesting part of that is the Jets have a guy from the Baltimore organization who knows how to build it the right way, who's seen it firsthand in Joe Douglas. And my frustration with Salah becomes, I think Woody Johnson looks at Joe Douglas and Robert Salah as a package deal. And the day that Joe Douglas gets fired because of Robert Sala, I'm going to be furious. I think what Joe Douglas has done a great job. Look, the Dalvin Cook signing was not good. Bringing in Rodgers' friends weren't good, but it was the right move, right? It ultimately got you Aaron Rodgers. So if you believed in getting Aaron Rodgers, which I did at the time and I do still, then getting all these guys to get him to come here was the right move. He built the offensive line. The offensive line got hurt. Everyone got hurt. But that's not because he didn't bring in guys that were good offensive linemen. Look at Tipman. He's really good. McGovern's really good. Elijah Vera Tucker's really good. All these guys. The Dwayne Brown contract was a good contract. He got hurt in both years. Like, you can't play the results and say, oh, he did a bad job because everyone got hurt. Look at the defense he built. He traded back up into the draft to get Jermaine Johnson. That play that he made on the pick six was one of those athletic plays I've ever seen from a defensive player. Finding Brees Hall in the second round. like. Garrett Wilson obviously is an obvious choice. Sauce Garner was an obvious choice. So I get that. DJ Reed. DJ Reed, that signing, that's a smart signing. Jordan Whitehead. Quincy. (laughs) Quincy Williams picking him up. The fact that he got a deal done with Quinnen, how he got it done. It was quiet. It was professional. Like crazy, man. JFM, Bryce Huff, these guys that he's found over and over and over again. Joe Douglas has done a phenomenal job with this roster. And when he gets fired... Next year, it's going to be because of Robert Sala. And that's why I'm frustrated with Robert Sala. Because he's going to take the whole thing down with him. And I fear that Woody Johnson, when he cleans house, is going to clean everyone. And I think Sala, they should get rid of him now. I'm at the point now where I think, and I didn't think this before last week. I thought the worst thing is you fire Robert Sala and Nathaniel Hackett's going to become the head coach. That's terrible. Now I'm like, okay, so make him the head coach. No, Like, yes. Because Bilal... Why not? It can't be worse. Can it be worse? We don't want worse. We want to win. <laughs> it's it can't be worse though. You think Sal? You think you you think Sal is a better head coach than Nathaniel Hackett? What has he proven that makes him a better head coach than Nathaniel Hackett? He has more losses by fifteen or more points than he has wins in the three years as a Jets head coach. Do you know that they've lost yeah. eighteen games by fifteen or more points? Think, you got to think they've only won Rob- seventeen games. You got to think Robert Sala has a top ten defense. Two two years in a row. It's the offensive side. So that needs at what point do you start looking at Jeff Ulbrich and saying, "Hey, maybe the defense, maybe he has something to do with that." I don't know, but because the lack of discipline, I just can't deal with this anymore. It's across the board. Yeah, but if if that defense was not holding up, then you you talk about Robert. But you know what, Robert's not making it. I, I will guarantee you this. Robert is not making it through next year. Robert will be fired in the middle of the year next year. Like I've never seen that happen. They're gonna have Rogers and they're gonna struggle. And I've had I know I've, had I've never four, seen it either. With three three head coaches. He's gonna, I've never seen a, it. he's gonna be on a tight leash. And then guess what? Guess who's gonna be the head coach anyway? Nathaniel Hackett. If you fire him in the middle of the season, Hackett's gonna be the head coach anyway. Hmm. So you might as well go to Michigan now and bring in Jim Harbaugh, who hired a, a he hired a he hired an agent who's an NFL agent. Do you understand why I want to see them lose so badly? I want to see Salah get embarrassed to the point that Woody has to make a move. Like, Mm. because I really don't believe in him as a head coach. That's why I want them to lose 70 nothing against the Patriots. Hmm. That's tough. Like I said, I don't wish anything on anyone, but, you know, obviously. I I don't, um, I don't dislike him personally. I like him personally, but like I said earlier, wouldn't it just be a relief for him to get out of here? Just be done with it. 
just go be somewhere else. But, you know, like I said, go back to know. San Francisco. You know what? He'll probably go to Miami and get a defensive coordinator job with Mike McDaniel. That's probably what's going to happen. And that'll be dangerous. Your buddy. That'll be good that'll with be him. Yeah. And that'll be All dangerous sudden, for Miami division. would be incredible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I think right. Salah would be happier. I don't, I don't know, wish man. anything negative on Robert. Yeah. I, I just, just, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. But, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's so not many personal. pieces. There's so many pieces that that go into it, so many factors that go into having an organization. Um, you're talking about the scouting department. You're talking about management. You're talking about coaches. Like, you're talking about which coach wants which player, like, which relationship, which scout comes from other teams. And, like, all these things play a part. It's a, it's, it's bigger than what Robert Sala is. It's, it's, it's finding players that fit the scheme. Like, stop taking the – "Quote unquote best available free agent or best available player and say who fits Draft our scheme the best? Yeah. yeah, like who skips who 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 fits our scheme the best? That's going to help us win. How, how I know, but I, I just laid out everything that Douglas you, has done. But but and also too, like you got to look at it from from this this standpoint. Like I got to look at my coaches. Like Bill Belichick is a heck of a coach. That when you talk about development. He doesn't need the, the top picks in the draft. Like you're gonna come in and once you believe Hasn't in his system, quarterback in 25 gonna, years. <laughs> and listen, he's he's a good development co- uh, coach. Like then you have a coach that needs that veteran presence, that 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 isn't a good coach of development players, and he needs a, a veteran based team. Like you have to. That's the identity. When I say where are we going, where is the New York Jazz organization going? Like what's the identity of? Where they're trying to go. Like, you know, if you keep changing directions, then you're never going to get anywhere. I agree. That's why I want to keep Joe Douglas. I have a question. Yeah. You said that they say that special teams coaches are are like the best head coaches, like guys who are special teams coaches because, and you can tell me if this is true or not, because whenever a guy does really well on special teams, he gets plucked and now he's on the defense or on the offense, right? The head coach is like, oh, wait, if he's doing really well, now we want to use that. And then you have to develop new guys to, and, and so special teams coaches are constantly dealing with developing new fringe, you know, fringe talent, right? Because it's not the top guys who are playing on special teams; the guys at the bottom of the roster who are playing on special teams. And these guys are always having to develop new talent for the special teams, and th- they do such a great job of that and adapting to the guys they have. So that's why they make great head coaches. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You and, heard that before? Yeah, and you got to think. I think special team coaches deal with more players than offense, defensive guys. You know, offensive, defensive guys only talk to a certain few guys. Right. You, know, you only, as an offensive coordinator, you're not talking to the entire offense. You, you're talking to your starters or whatever, a few guys, where you have more guys on special teams and, and you, you have to build a personal relationship because you have to get these guys to say, hey, you're not a starter, so if you want to make this team, you have to, I, I fight for you at the table when you talk about 53-man roster because that offensive room is set. Those starters are set. The defensive starters are set. And as a, as a special teams guy, you you have to go to guys and say, hey, man, I really like you, but you have to do this and this. And you 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 learn to build personal relationships as a special teams coordinator because I feel like there's more turnaround because you can cut a special teams guy and get another guy in. And he gets straight. To, he, he picks up the, the special teams playbook easier than he will defense or offense. So you're dealing with more turnaround. You have to be more personal with with being a special teams coordinator. You get what I'm saying? So um, yep. from that standpoint, like Brent Boyer is one of the coolest coaches you're going to ever meet in your life. He played the game. Uh, he kept it real when it came to the, the business side of it. And um, he was honest with you. And if he liked you, he fought for you. For the so do you think he could be a head coach? I think he can be a head coach. Uh, if you ask the players in the Jets organization today to pick a head coach from the staff, who do you think they would pick? I know you don't know the whole staff. Probably as a, as a whole, you got to think. Offensive, defensive guys have a relationship with the the uh, special team coordinator. Because offensive, defensive guys play special teams, right? So defensive guys, not many offensive guys really had a relationship with him because they're in a separate room, and you know, right. Even even on practice field, they're on the other side of the field. So you don't really have that relationship. But I think if you give say, hey, anonymous vote of, of who should be the head coach, I would think that the special team coach would be picked. Not based on any uh, accolades or what he did or anything, but just from a cool relationship where we're a good unit or whatever 
relationship, I think it would be the special teams coach. All right, we got to wrap up. Um, it's been a longer episode already, and I like it. We had a lot to talk about. Uh, but we have a couple of things to talk about next week or later this week. We might have another episode this week. We might not. I'm not sure, honestly, yet. So <laughs> we will see. Um, so there were a couple of things I wanted to get to, and so we'll get to them. There's plenty of time. There's the off season. There's lots of stuff. I see you down there. You um, I'll try and I'll smile. For oh, the I gotta. Yeah, I don't know. I gotta take it lower, man. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You're good. Um, but all right. So real quick, I oh. do think the Jets are going to win this week, and I think they're going to celebrate like they won the Super Bowl. What's interesting <laughs> that is, I do think Bill wants to win this game. I think Belichick wants to beat the Jets, and he wants to stick it to the Patriots. If he's not going to be the head coach going forward. He wants to stick it to them and get them a lower draft pick. Like, I think twofold he wants to win. Absolutely. It reminds me of uh, Rex when he went to Buffalo his first year when he yeah. knocked us out of the playoffs. He's like, you guys aren't getting in the playoffs without me. You know right, what I mean? Exactly. So I, I think that's one of those games right now with, with Bill Belichick. Um, understanding but Bill might stay. Who knows? He, Bill who might knows? stay. Yeah. And uh, if, It's not if confirmed. Staying, yeah, if Bill's staying, I think they lose. I think the Jets will win if Bill's staying because then he knows it's better for us to get the higher draft pick. You think Bill yeah, doesn't but know? But you know, the they're so quiet trade. over there. It's, it's so much going on. You never hear about it's a Patriots tight. player leaking anything yeah. or anything like that. It's, it's tight. You know, maybe because they don't have their quarterback going on Pat McAfee every week. <laughs> Can you imagine Bailey Zappi on McAfee every week? What would they talk about? Or what about Tom? <laughs> uh, Tom would have been great. I mean, Tom's doing the media tour now. Like, he's on everything. You know what? Screw yeah. it. I'm going to ask you one question. And we're, I wanted to ask you also about um, the college football. But I guess we'll talk about it either before or after that game. Um, but you're a Knicks fan, right? No. Would you say you're a Knicks fan? You're not a Knicks fan? You wear the Knicks hat. I, what the heck? I do. I, I used to go fan. to the game. I'm not a Knicks fan. All right. You know, they made a big I, I, trade I'm this a, week. I'm a Lakers fan, bro. Gotcha. I got you, Kobe. I just yeah. used to go to the Knicks games. Easy so access. you saw the Knicks made a big trade this week? No, I don't watch the Knicks. On Saturday, they traded RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. Um, and so I have a question for you because the team, I think, got better. And it was a move that needed to be made for the team. But it was two guys that were relatively young, were drafted by the Knicks, and the fan base and the teammates loved. So if you're someone in that locker room, if you're Julius Randle and you know that two guys, and I'm asking you to put this in football terms, you were never traded in your career, but you've seen other guys get traded. What's it like in that room where it's like, hey, I know my team's better today, but there's still like this emotional kind of like, I was good friends with that guy, especially in an NBA locker room. It was only 15 guys. It's a much tighter knit room. Like how much of an impact do you think that has? It, uh, you just have to understand it's a business. Um, you know, you have to, you can't get too comfortable, no matter if you have the big contract or not, because you know you can get traded at any time. And I, yep. I think it's 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 a lot. It's mentally uh, stressful uh, for many many players and families, and you know especially you have you know kids and a wife, and you know you're picking up, moving, and then you gotta you know get to this city and settle in. And then if you're not a starter, if you gotta be you know you gotta come in and prove yourself. And it's like, hey, my family has to stay back because then if I move them, we might be moving again or I might get cut. Like, especially if your contract isn't guaranteed. So it's just it's just an emotional roller coaster of playing and being a professional. Um, I know a lot of people say, well, you guys get played a lot of money. Well, a lot of money isn't guaranteed. You know what I yeah. mean? You look at those numbers. Uh, yeah, but that, that 2.6 million you got was a signing bonus. So that was all yeah, guaranteed. That was all guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll take 2.6 right now if they want to give it to me. I go hey, I would take it too. <laughs> I, I just um, take the 0.6. I'm good. Leave the two. <laughs> no, but it's it's uh, it's definitely, you know, you, you still keep up with guys though, man, like moving around. And like I said, man, this this sports I think is is, is very, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a way to bridge a lot of things that's going on in the world um, when you're talking about different uh, ethnicities and beliefs and guys coming from different backgrounds guys build like lifelong uh relationships um but yeah it sometimes is is an emotional ro roller coaster yeah i love it i think uh Ennis Cantor talked about that that when he came to the league and he had like certain like he was you know coming from turkey and he had certain like a certain way of thinking about certain you know people and ethnicities and stuff and he got to the league and he's like wait these people are awesome you know what i mean mm -hmm. like certain people that he met along the way and it kind of opened his mind to think about um, I know he's kind of like a controversial person, I think, 
Ennis Cantor, I'm not even sure. But he um or he's even one of the media portrays a guy to, to be this villain and then you meet him. Right, exactly. The like, but, like, hold on. They, they yeah, that exactly. And that's how a lot of Jets fans talk or Jets players talk about Rodgers this year. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, he's like awesome and he's the greatest teammate. That's how all his teammates have talked about him. And it's just weird because like he keeps like it's not awesome to go after Jimmy Kimmel and on his own network, right? Because ESPN owns ABC, ABC, it's all Disney, right? And to say, oh, this guy was a pedophile and on on pedophile, you know what I mean? Like that's I'm terrible. Like, laugh. yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's not funny, but um, I do think the nickname pedophile is a great nickname for an island where you're at, where you have a bunch of pedophiles. Anyway. Um, yeah, that's, it's about that time. So I guess we should go, uh, that'll wrap it up for us. We'll talk to you either later this week or, uh, next week until then I'll see you. All right, buddy. All right, man. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.